G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Let's turn our attention back to the Bible today and the fact that there are so many people not only outside of the Christian church, but also within the Christian church who are real sceptics. In other words, they find it difficult to understand and to believe that those words that Jesus spoke or even those words that are recorded in our Old and New Testament, might be authoritative and accurate so that they can base their whole life and their purpose and direction on those words. Because for the Christian, of course, the Bible is such an important document because it reveals who God is and what he's calling us to do. We're back today with the author of a book called Echoes of Jesus. Does the New Testament reflect what he said? Jonathan Clark has written this book, and he's written it with you in mind. Jonathan's back with us. Jonathan, welcome back to 2020. Oh, and thank you so much. I love being here. Jonathan, people come to the Bible, and rightly, with some level of scepticism. Sometimes we actually say scepticism is a real gift. It's actually a good thing. Other times people do some research and find out that it's true and then decide to remain sceptics. But people come to looking at the Bible from all sorts of different views, don't they? Oh, they certainly do. I mean, obviously some people, they do it because emotionally they're desperate or they're destitute. Other people are coming to it because they realize that their worldview that they've been living with for so long is becoming or is very inadequate now to explain everything they see around them or even giving them enough of a purpose to live another day. I guess there are others too who don't have the time or the volition to actually get into the Bible and give it a little bit of study so that they can be confident that what the Bible is saying is true and accurate. Uh, almost wanted to wave it around a little bit like it's a sort of a, you know, it's a magic wand uh, without actually appreciating that what's really of treasure value is within. Yeah, and I, I guess in so many ways, if people are not particularly book people or people who have a habit of reading, there's a lot we can do to help that. Many people would love nothing more than to sit down over a drink or a meal and read through something like the Gospel of John or Luke. It's uh, surprising, apparently, I've not done this myself, how many times if you come up with someone who's uh, just friendly and then you spontaneously say, hey, listen, um, I'm, I'm reading the book of John or I'd like to read the book of John again. I'd love to read it with somebody else. Would you like to go through it with me? A bit like you go to a gym. Going to a gym just on yourself is a lot harder than going to a gym with somebody. And if you've established a friendship or relationship with somebody, I found in my life that conversations about things that are important are very welcome. People are often wanting to talk about something else than politics or football or the weather. They, they really are. They're quite curious about Jesus. They're quite curious about having a conversation and a friendship with someone who is different. Uh, 
So the natural curiosity that ordinary people have, this has been affected sometime because somebody who they respected said, oh, you can't trust that stuff in the Bible, or it was never copied accurately, or, you know, all sorts of different things that people can sow almost like a seed, a seed of doubt that causes you not to think that this Bible is authentic and authoritative. So this is what you write about. Yes, and and to reinforce what you said, some of the best-selling books in North America, in the US, are books that actually say that there's no point reading the New Testament. Um, and one, one author actually wrote, who wrote a best-selling book, a guy called Reza Aslan, was saying that they weren't even interested in writing anything vaguely historical, in other words, writing anything that was actually true. So the general population is bombarded with these messages um, that what is in the New Testament is just basically somebody who is very passionate and biased making something up. Now, when you put your mind to understanding this New Testament, and let's just stay with the Gospels here, because a lot of people are very familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they wonder how those books, there's four of them, the authenticity and the authority the authority that they carry. Uh, you talk about not only the internal evidence that gives them that authenticity, but also... Interestingly, you'd like to talk about the external evidence. Give us some idea here what you what you mean by sure. that. Sure. When we, you and I uh, and anybody else that's a Christian talks about the authors of the New Testament, we'll sometimes appropriately say that those authors were passionate about Jesus. They loved him. They had a passion. When you say that to somebody else, their translation might be, oh, so they were biased. And I actually have come across this. This is the first thing that pops into their mind, that the people who wrote it were biased. And by biased, they don't just mean passionate. They mean that those authors distorted the truth. After all, we all have biases. What's important is, did those biases get in the way of telling the truth? So how do you answer that? Well, my book goes through several different ways of answering it. But one way is, let's have a look to see whether people of a totally different bias did they write about Jesus? And if so, what did they say? And so one part of the book looks at just a few of these voices from the outside world, so to speak, the non-Christian world, that were written at about that time and what they said about Jesus. So some of those names, I mean, we might be able to name a few of the early church fathers, uh, or some people might say Josephus. Um, You've got a few others in mind. Yeah, that's right. I was surprised that... Um, Some people certainly know of the name of Josephus, and I I do devote two chapters to the credibility of what he said and what he actually said and the credibility of him as an historian. But there are some other characters that are very colourful that actually wrote quite a lot more. So one of these is a guy called Lucian of Samosata. Of Samosata just is a name of the town that he, he he grew up in. It's a place in Turkey. And so what did Lucian say about Jesus and about the Gospels? What did he say is important, but also why he said it. (laughs) This is what I found most fascinating. He was actually writing a book or a document exposing a con artist. And this con artist called Peregrinus had actually found how lucrative and easy it is to con Christians. So Lucian is on this guy's case. He's very concerned about the wide-ranging effects of Peregrinus, who at one stage conned Christians. 
So when he was talking about this guy conning Christians, he then had to pause, if you like, and explain to his audience who the heck Christians were and what they believed. So I write in my book about, I don't know, 10 or 14 of the things that he said that corroborate stuff in our Gospels. In other words, if we didn't have Gospels, if we didn't have the New Testament, if all we had was Lucian's one book, and we've got about 70 of his, he was born in about AD 120, if we just had this one book, what would we know about the character of Jesus? So Lucian talks about the character of Jesus. He's not a believer. He's not a follower. But because he's talking through the controversy of the day, he's using Jesus as an example to be able to, and, and in doing so, he's giving authenticity to the things that Jesus That's right. said. Yeah, he's trying to help his readers understand who was this community of people that were conned by Lucian, at one, uh, conned by Peregrinus at one point in time, the Christian community. So then he goes into a little bit of their history. He talks about this fellow who was crucified, who was crucified in Palestine, who began the movement, who um, had his original worshippers and followers in, in um, Palestine. Uh, it's really revealing all the things that he says, that he was a teacher. Um, he mentioned about how crazy the Christians were. Because they had such a belief in the next life, they were so generous and, of course, this was very good for Peregrinus, of course, and therefore it explains a little bit why Christians could be understood because it wasn't, and it still isn't, common for people to be sacrificially generous. And Lucian, by, uh, Peregrinus, by the way, actually ended up in jail at one stage, and Lucian talks about how the Christians even went to visit him and care for him and bribe the guards. And so we learn a lot about the, 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 the Christian community as well as their beliefs and their founder. It's really great. And, of course, when you talk about Lucian, you're talking about uh, late or getting into the early middle second century. By then, undoubtedly, the propagation of all of those copies of the letters that were written, say, by the Apostle Paul or Peter and the Gospels themselves, these were being propagated all around the place and they were being copied in their thousands. And so the authenticity comes together, doesn't it, when we recognise that what was being copied was actually accurate. Yes, and was he even probably more accurate regarding Lucian and his sources? He may well have done what you said, but his nature was typically to try to get to the first-hand evidence and interview people. And so he would have based most likely based on what he said about how to be an historian, probably based on first-hand interviews of people that knew Peregrinus, although Lucian says, I shouldn't say that, people who knew Christians and Christians themselves. Lucian himself seemed to have known Peregrinus uh, first-hand. And so I believe, in, and I write about in the book, that a lot of Lucian's sources of information were the Christian community and probably their, their sacred scriptures as well. Jonathan, if I'm a sceptic today and I've got doubts about the accuracy of the copies of those early uh, letters and scrolls and things that became our New Testament, if I'm really doubtful about that, where do I start to be able to address those doubts and hear the evidence and begin to understand that God is the one who has uh, divinely appointed 
the fact that we have these Gospels and the New Testament books and the Old Testament canon as well, where do I start to overturn my doubt and my scepticism? I think the first thing is, this is coming from me as a, as a lover of Jesus, is to actually start to read the Gospels if you've never read them before. Find a translation into English that you're comfortable with, preferably even maybe find another Christian or a Christian to sit with and actually start to read them because sometimes you can sense the ring of truth just by reading the original documents. Uh, even whether you believe in God or not, I would say it's really worthwhile to say to this God, God, I don't know whether you're there or not, but I'm reading this. Can you help me understand it? And can you help answer my questions? And then, of course, the third thing I would say is by Echoes of Jesus, it does a great job of answering so many of people's common and reasonable questions about why it is that so many millions of Christians for so many centuries believe that it is an accurate record of what Jesus said and did. And you wrote your book, Echoes of Jesus, Does the New Testament Reflect What He Said?, for people who are not necessarily very Christianized, uh, you've written this with skeptics in mind. You've written it for people who are non-churched so they can easily understand these sorts of evidences that will give weight to the authority and the authenticity of the Bible. In fact, the best compliment I think I've had um, about the book in, in my, my ranking came from an atheist and uh, who was a patient at the time and conversations were appropriate and uh, he had read the book and he said to me, this book is so good, I'm going to buy two extra copies to give to my, my other atheist friends. That was his words. He was a self-declared atheist and he's buying this as Christmas presents. So I was very stoked. <laughs> that is a wonderful endorsement. And to get a hold of Jonathan Clark's book, his book is called Echoes of Jesus. Does the New Testament reflect what he said? You can get a hold of a copy of that in the Vision store at vision.org.au. Uh, you can also connect with Jonathan at echoesofjesus.com, echoesofjesus.com. Jonathan, wonderful getting your insights once again. Thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Oh, and thank you for this great privilege. I love talking about Jesus. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.